0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Harvesting the Truth, the story of our food. Today is our very first episode, and I am so happy to be here with you. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, and today I am going to be telling you about the five most important things in my life that led me here to beginning this podcast. Before I do that, I wanted to give you a little outline for the show so you know what to expect. We'll have episodes that launch every Tuesday and Thursday. The only time that that will vary is if it's a holiday week, and I'll let you know ahead of time. But on Tuesdays, I expect to have a longer episode where we can learn something that helps us eat with more intention. And what I mean by that is that we need to know what's in our food and what it is made of and how it affects us so that we can satisfy our goals for our food intake. On Tuesdays, I'll either share some knowledge that I have learned along my journey, or I'll have a guest on the show that will share their stories with us. On Thursdays, we'll have a shorter episode that I like to refer to as a mini-sode, and in that, I will share something that will help you implement what we've learned on Tuesday from either myself or a guest that I have on the show. So that's a little bit about what you can expect from this podcast. Now let's listen to our welcome and get into the episode. This is Harvesting the Truth. This podcast will bring you the stories of our food. We'll learn more about how our food is made and what it is made of along with how it affects our health. My name is Michelle Adams. I'm a lawyer who was a medical litigator for over 20 years, and then I became a food entrepreneur when I turned a passion for baking into a business. But most importantly, I'm a mother, and I decided to begin this journey of learning what's in my food for my family. I'm glad to have you on this journey with me. For today's episode, I wanted to share more about who I am and why I'm here so you get to know me a little bit. I thought a great way to do that would be to share the five most important things that have happened to me in my life that brought me here to starting this podcast. Midwestern town that was basically in the middle of the cornfields, and there were a lot of farmers in my town, and my grandparents were farmers as well. I grew up in a big Italian family where I lived with my grandparents because my mother was a single mother, and honestly, I never felt lack for not having a father because I was so blessed to be raised in my grandparents' home. My grandparents were the most amazing people and they definitely shaped my food journey and the person that I would become. They loved to grow food. My grandfather had this amazing garden and he also had... Every variety of fruit tree you can imagine. There were blackberry and raspberry vines that wrapped around the whole property. There was a big asparagus patch. And we really did live garden to table. What we couldn't grow in our, ourselves in our own garden. We had all kinds of local farmers that provided food to us. My grandmother was a typical Italian grandma. She was short and sweet and funny and amazing, and she just had the kindest smile, the the cutest laugh, and she loved to make food. She loved to brag about what we grew in the garden, even though she wasn't doing it. She She really was the one who made the magic happen in the kitchen and everything that my grandfather brought into her from the garden. She turned it into just amazing meals. She made her homemade sauce. She made, um, she used every single vegetable. She made her own jellies and jams and she canned all of the tomatoes and the vegetables from the garden. And she made, Uh, jams and jellies from the blackberries. She made pies. I mean, she was just the most amazing person. And the growing up like this, it really was that food was love because of the way that they spent so much time on it, talking about it, thinking about it, preparing it, um, having the family dinner. Everybody came and they gathered for dinner uh even people who didn't live in the house they always knew that they were welcome at dinner time they knew when dinner was and they would arrive they would bring friends they would bring other family and it was the most joyful experience to grow up um in this in this feeling that food created joy it created memories it created love and that part of my life definitely shaped who I am today. And also, because we lived garden to table, we ate with the seasons. So in the fall, you would eat squash and, um, you know, fresh pumpkin pies and uh, baked squash and baked apples and baked pears. And you would have the leftover zucchinis and tomatoes. And in the um, the winter, you ate what you canned, um, and you had always things in the root cellar like onions and potatoes. And then in the spring and the summer, you had a plethora of all these new things that were budding outside. You had the asparagus, and you had all the produce in the garden, and the lettuces, and the radishes. And um, you just you incorporated all of this food into your daily life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And everything was very simple, but it really, it really tasted amazing. So the next part of my upbringing that is important is that my mom remarried and we moved across town. And when we did that, I became a latchkey kid. Now, I still saw my grandparents, and my parents always managed to cook a meal at dinner time so that we gathered as a family still or we actually went over to my grandparents because I lived in a very small town. It was easy to get over there very quickly. um My parents also grew a lot of food as well. they had a garden um we had a strawberry patch they had a uh, they had all the produce um but They both worked. And because of that, we started to search for convenient food. Because my grandparents, where they were retired, and they could devote more time to growing and preparing food so that it covered everything that we needed, my parents didn't have that amount of time. You know, my mom and dad both worked. And because of that... Um, we had we needed convenient food for breakfast and lunch, and then also sometimes for dinner if you know their work hours extended into the evening. And so, at that time, the food companies began to develop more convenient foods because this was the 70s into the 80s, and. This was the advent of a lot of the ultra-processed foods that we didn't have before in the late 60s and uh, early 70s. And quite honestly, a busy family at that time not only accepted all of these foods and embraced them, but they were new to us. And because of that... We thought that they were fantastic. Also, nobody was talking about the fact that ultra-processed foods were bad or that we were eating too much sugar, salt, or fat. The thing about that was that, as I mentioned before, food becomes your tradition. So the foods that you have like the foods that you have, for instance, at every holiday, then it it always becomes your tradition to have that food at the holiday, like pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. The food that you are raised on is likely to be the same food that you end up feeding your own family. And that's where... This is going to lead us into the second story I have to tell you, which is the second thing that is important in my lifetime that brought me here. So my grandfather was in the Army for over 40, 45 years, and all of his kids went into the services, and I was raised in that environment. And an important piece is that I was raised with a strong sense of justice. So, when it was time to choose a career, I decided that I was going to become a lawyer and I went to law school. After law school, I took a job as a litigation attorney, specifically in medical litigation. And that job that spanned over 20 years gave me a lot of experience in the medical and insurance fields. I learned medical terminology. I learned how to review medical records. I learned how to research. I learned all about authoritative sources versus non-authoritative sources. I learned all about different diseases and their symptoms and their treatment and their prognosis. And I really learned a lot working with doctors and experts and even insurance companies themselves, which helped me learn how the insurance companies look at claims and how they make their decisions. As a trial lawyer, by the time I saw things, I was obviously seeing the worst of things. However, in all of the medical records that I reviewed, which were millions of pages of records over 20 years, I never saw a lot of talk about prevention. And I never heard that come out of what regular people were doing or what doctors were recommending. And that piece is important to me now in what I'm doing currently Because I believe that paying attention to what you eat is a piece of learning how to prevent disease and illness. So this now leads me to my third story for you today, which is how I became a food entrepreneur. And one thing to know about me is I am extremely resilient. So I found that I could go burnt out for a very long period of time which was to my great detriment. But once I realized that I was burnt out and I was very stressed, I also felt very unhealthy. And so I decided that I needed a hobby to release my stress. And I started to bake. The reason why I started to bake is because probably the same reason that they suggest people who are burnt out do pick up a different activity or learn how to play an instrument it's because doing those types of things help to develop new neural pathways in your brain and for me i've never been very sports inclined i did like i did go to the fitness center and i did like yoga but i didn't have a lot of time to do things but i discovered that after i put the kids to bed at night i i had time where i could I could bake. And I had never baked from scratch. And I wanted, to, I wanted to do that. At first, I just wanted to do it because I wanted to give my kids something special for their birthdays. And I thought I could make their birthday cakes. And I didn't want to turn to a box mix. I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could make a birthday cake from scratch, you know, like with butter, eggs, flour, sugar, you know, just whole ingredients. So I did that. And it was very well received. I discovered that where I had always felt so uncreative, I suddenly felt creative. And the more that I baked, the more I wanted to bake. And I wanted to learn more about baking. So I began taking classes. I began to watch videos. I began to research it and read more about it and study it and practice different things. I was baking not just cakes anymore, but I was baking muffins and brownies and and pies and everything I could think of from scratch. And I noticed that the more that I did that, the better these products tasted. And they tasted better than what was in our pantry currently. So homemade chocolate chip cookies tasted better than the Chippehoy cookies that we had. Um, homemade pancakes tasted better than the box mix of pancakes. And I realized that in baking, you can bake with the seasons just like my grandparents had taught me to cook with the seasons. And so I began to do that with my own baking, in addition to creating all of my own recipes. Eventually, I decided to partner with my sister, and who had experience as a restaurant manager, and we decided to bring a farm-to-table style bakery to our local community. That whole experience of being a food business owner was invaluable. It gave me a look at an industry I had known absolutely nothing about previously, and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And this is going to bring me to the point of now telling you my fourth story today about what brought me here. I don't know if you're like me, but I use the pandemic to time everything now. So there's pre-pandemic and there's post-pandemic. And pre-pandemic, the things that were happening in my personal life were that there was a lot of illness happening. My daughter had been diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder about the same time that my uh, father-in-law was suffering from cancer And he ended up passing away shortly before the pandemic. At the same time, in fact, just a couple of months before my father-in-law passed away, we lost our dog. And if you're like me, your dogs become a part of your family. So when we lost Molly, for me, it was like losing a piece of my family. I lost my dog daughter. She had a stomach tumor that she died from. It Honestly, she got diagnosed with a stomach tumor, and four days later, she she died. We didn't have any time. She was only 11 years old, and I didn't have time to research, which I like to re- do my, all my own research and investigate things. I didn't have time to even research what to do to help her, how her stomach cancer um, was caused. Uh, you know, I had so many questions, but right after she died, we lost my father in law so it didn't leave a lot of time for me to investigate things and our family was going through a lot of grief at that time, right after that, the pandemic happened, and during the pandemic, um my family was becoming sicker. my son was Um, He had been sick for a few years with unexplained stomach problems. And we were trying to find answers by, you know, going the traditional medical route. We took him to his doctor, they did a bunch of tests, sent him off to a specialist who did a bunch of tests, sent him off to another specialist who did a bunch of tests, sent him off to another specialist who did a bunch of tests. Um, I felt so bad for him. He had he went through so much over so many years to try to find an answer to all of the symptoms that he was having. And at the end of the day, we never got any answers. They never found anything wrong. They didn't give us any any um help at all as to you know resolving his his symptoms that he was having and so at that time we decided that we were going to employ different methods in our own home by trying to do things like go gluten-free um cut back on dairy um you know we did all kinds of things and while we were investigating that our other dog our second dog was diagnosed with cancer so now i'm i'm at my wits end because i've got two sick kids i've got two dogs with you know one dog that died of cancer another dog has cancer and then during that same time period i got double pneumonia covid and it led into long covid And when I had long COVID, I was having some extreme symptoms. Like I had vertigo every time I stood up. I lost 50% of my hair. I gained a lot of weight because I had chronic fatigue syndrome. I didn't have energy to do absolutely anything. Um, I developed high blood pressure, which I had never had before. And I just looked around one day and I said, my God, we are so, all all of us, we're just unhealthy. And I felt like I had lost control. And the more I investigated why I thought my dog had cancer, the more I was looking at our food. I was looking at changing my dog's food. And when I changed his food, he actually, even though I didn't ever cure his cancer and he ended up passing away from cancer he felt good like well when I changed his food he felt he loved it he loved me changing his food he loved his new food I spent a lot of time beating myself up for not doing it sooner especially after we lost our dog Molly um I'm I was really sad that I I didn't take the time to do my research at that time because I probably would have changed his food a long time ago if I had if I had done my research right away and I decided that you know if this works for dogs like he you know if he needed his food changed maybe we need our food changed the first thing I did was I started on myself and I decided to do a cleanse because I was reading that I possibly had a lot of of the COVID toxins in my body, and I needed to get those out because I hadn't been sick before I got COVID. So obviously it was related to my illness. And so I did a cleanse, and I went on a cleanse for about two weeks. And I noticed how good I felt just after the cleanse was done. I had, during the cleanse, I had lost about 10 pounds I no longer had vertigo. I my blood pressure was better. I had a ton of energy. And I know this because I keep a journal because I don't I don't want to forget things. And I keep a journal and looking back in my journal, you know, I wrote down how good I felt just after the two weeks of the cleanse. And that led me to changing more things in our diet because it Going through that cleanse opened my eyes. I always thought, oh, I eat pretty good. But going through the cleanse, I realized, you know, I can eat better. And going through all of these experiences caused me to start to read the back of the labels and figure out what all of the words mean that I couldn't, that I couldn't pronounce before. So I just didn't look them up and i don't know why i didn't look them up i i mean i'm a lawyer why didn't i look up those things i think we get to a point especially when we're so busy in our lives with work and a family and a house and our own things going on with us that we have to we have to trust in things and for me i trusted in the food i trusted in the food that was in my store that it was safe for me and I didn't consider that it wasn't safe because I just I needed something to trust in and it had changed from the time that I was younger for instance syrup became table syrup instead of maple syrup I didn't know when that happened it happened under my nose I can't even believe that happened to me because when I started to read labels, I I realized that all the syrup was high fructose corn syrup and it was no longer true maple syrup. And when I was growing up, Mrs. Butterworths actually had maple syrup in it. It actually had butter. Now it was high fructose corn syrup. I was appalled. I was appalled that I was so busy building my career and my business and my family that I didn't stop to read the labels. And I also didn't stop to think what all of that could do to me. I mean, I'm a lawyer, I understand cause and effect. I saw from my own cleanse, cause and effect. And so I felt like, well, if I didn't know then there's probably other people that don't know as well. Because I don't think that all of us are reading labels. And so I started to talk to people in my family, you know, I talked to my mom and my sisters and aunts and uncles and asked them, you know, do you read the labels? And I was getting the answer of no, when I asked a friend, you know, how she shops. She says she just walks into the store and presumes that everything is okay for her to buy. So I knew that I wasn't the only one. But when I started to read the labels and I started to figure out what was in our food, it made me very angry that I didn't know that before. It made me angry that that's allowed to be in our food. And I was also very upset because I saw cause and effect when I changed our food, we all started to get better. I got better. My son, his stomach problems improved. He had been pre-diabetic. His, his glucose numbers improved when we changed our food and paid attention to what we were eating. Um, everything got started to get better for us. Our health improved. Our our mindset improved, our, you know, everything started to get so much better. And that leads me to my fifth story for you, which is that when I realized the relationship between our food and how we were feeling, I decided that I wanted to do something about it and I decided that I was going to devote my life to learning more. And so I started to dig deeper. I started to look more at what our food is made of. And I came across glyphosate being sprayed on our grains. I learned more about organic farming and why that's important. I've researched all about animals in our country and feedlots and what they're feeding our animals and how it's different now than it used to be. And I will tell you that when you start getting involved in this, it depresses you a little bit realizing that there might not be a lot you can do about it to change things or even to convince people of the dire situation that we may be in. But for that, I look at my dog, Josie. After we lost our dogs, Moose and Molly, we ended up adopting two more dogs. One of those dogs is Josie. She is a six-year-old retired breeder from a puppy mill. And for her entire life, they kept poor Josie locked up in a barn and bred her countless just countless litters i don't i don't know how many but you know in her short 6 years it was a lot of litters and they kept her in deplorable state so she came to me as a foster through a rescue and she had double ear infections skin infections she had um, lost all the fur behind her ears. She had urinary tract infection and when they did her spay, she had over 30 cysts that they pulled out of her. She had hay embedded in her tail. Her teeth were were worn down to nubs with, filled with cavities. Um, she came to us with a, a lot of fears. She She doesn't like us to come up behind her. She She had never been in a bed before. She had never laid on a dog bed and she didn't know the comfort of a kind hand or a word. It was the saddest thing because she is just the gentlest golden retriever. And one day she was laying on her dog bed and she rolled over and she kicked her feet up in the air. And it was the first time that she'd ever done that. And when she did that, I knew that she was comfortable, that she knew she was at home. She knew she was safe with us. And I thought to myself, I can't save all the dogs, but I made a difference to this one. And that's why I'm here. That brings me here to starting this podcast to hopefully make a difference to one person. I hope that you're that person that's listening to me right now. I want you to, to learn things here that will help you become more intentional about what you eat, to know what's in your food, to learn how to prevent illness, and to hopefully pass that on to someone who needs to hear it. So That's our session for today. I hope that you enjoyed these stories that I shared with you and that you've learned a little bit more about who I am and why I'm here. I look forward to talking to you more on Tuesday. Please tune back in here and we'll have another episode of Harvesting the Truth. I'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend. Hey everyone, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode about the five things that I shared with you that led me here to starting this podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave me a rating. It really helps when you leave ratings on the podcast that you listen to. And send me a message to let me know what you'd like to hear next. If you know anyone that has a food story to share, please send them my way. Also, you can connect with me on Instagram under my handle, The Food Stoic, or on Facebook, Food Stoic, where I have an insiders group for the podcast under the same name, Harvesting the Truth. Also, every Monday, I send out a Five for Food, which is five food thoughts you can read in five minutes. It's a newsletter. Sign up for that newsletter at www.foodstoic.com. Thanks so much. See you next time.